I'm so glad you joined us. You know, last week, uh, surprisingly, we had over 13,000 people tune in. And why it's 13,000 actually devices, independent um, uh, devices, tune in to our, um, uh, uh, our program last week, our, our service last week. So we know it was a lot. It could have been 20,000 people or more. And uh, it was very encouraging. I was on my way to Cuba, so it worked out great. But... Uh, but so here we are again. So we're hoping that we'll have 20,000 uh, devices kind of watch this either on YouTube or our riverpoint.tv or westend.tv or whatever it is that you're watching on. But we want you to share it because uh, we, want, we want other people to know that God's thinking about them and God loves them. Now, last week we talked about um, dealing with fear and dealing with anxiety. And so one of the things that helped me is that I said, anytime we acknowledge God, in uh, sort of our situation, we acknowledge his presence, uh, our fear diminishes. But there, but there just has to be more than living with less anxiety. There has to be something that's going on in our lives where we recognize there's a bigger story going on. And what is that bigger story? Is it just for us to be less anxious? I mean, is that, that's certainly been my prayer. God, take away my fear about our church, take away a fear about our family. My mom is 77. I know she's watching. I know all the people at West End are watching. I know all the people here at Missouri City. And we're sitting here and over my shoulder, you can see all these empty chairs. That's scary for a pastor, a bunch of empty chairs. And so I've asked God to take away my uh, anxiety and my fear, but there's got to be more to this than just being less anxious. What is the bigger story? Now, I'm going to read to you a verse, Romans 8, 28. And it is a frustrating verse, but I want to explain it to you a little bit today, and I think it will help you. Here's what it says. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, is it possible, have you thought about this, that God's going to produce something good out of such calamity, out of such fear? I mean, the stock market's diving, the oil prices are low, everybody's, I mean, the, obviously the virus is going crazy here. I mean, what, what good is this? I mean, I don't know about you, but I found myself tempted just to believe that if we could just get back to normal, if we could just get back to the way it was just a few weeks ago, then our lives would be good. That's all we want. It feels simple. In fact, as Christians or as followers of God, we're asking God, just return us to where we were. But man, we have, the bus, has, the train has left the station, as they say. Is there really a going back or so? How you look at this day and time is really going to make a difference as to how you uh, come out of it. For example, there's, I think there's two ways to look at this time. There's, you can look at this as a speed bump, a big speed bump, that your life was rolling on and you were going down the highway and all of a sudden this big speed bump appeared and you had to slow way down. And when you slowed way down, right, and you get over the speed bump, and then you back up to speed. You can look at it that way. And that's how most of us want it. But maybe, actually, maybe this is a redirect. Maybe, maybe this whole thing is about taking a new direction in life. Maybe this is about uh, changing lanes or changing directions or, or changing your focus. 
So, so this verse, let me just tell you this verse, it says, God causes all things to work to good. Now that doesn't mean God causes all things. It just means we live in a fallen world where viruses happen and oil prices drop and the stock market's not dependable and people fail us and, and bad things happen to good people and it's unfair. We live in a broken world where man's free will has created all kinds of problems. And yet we find a gracious, kind God that says he can take this mess that we find ourselves in and create something good about it. Now we often equate good with the picture of what I think is good. Like what makes me the happiest? What makes my life the easiest? What makes the most sense to me? But maybe that's not the total definition of good. You know, good may be not equated to comfort or good may um, not be just about having a, a result or an end game that, that we like, but maybe there's something else in the process. In fact, here's what I think. I think that nothing really good happens in our life without some friction, some pain, some fear, and some unknowns. And those are the things that we're experiencing right now. At least that we are. I know you must be as well. Now, this promise is not for everybody. This promise from God, it says, God causes all things to work toward good for who? For those who love him, for those who love him. You see, here's the deal. If you're a follower of Christ, and I hope that so many of you watching right now are not. I hope many of you are exploring now that your world has come unglued and there's a lot of uncertainty, you're asking better questions. You're asking questions like, is there a God? And does God care about me? But if you don't follow God, if you're not in love with God, then your world is about this world. And your life, life's equation to the good life and what makes things work is about circumstances in this world that work to your favor. But if you're a follower of Christ, there's another world. There's a spiritual world. There's an eternal world. There's a, there's a place that we're not living just for this moment. We're not living just to have fun or experience something that's amazing or, or be rich or be popular or be whatever else the culture tells us to be. But what we're doing is actually as followers of Christ is we have this spiritual lens on our, our life, an eternal lens, a a kingdom-minded lens that when this world ends, and it will for all of us at some point, that there's really an eternal world where there is no viruses and the oil prices are stable. <laughs> I don't know that for sure. It's not in my Bible, but you know what I'm saying. And so it's this idea that there's a bigger story going on than the story we find ourselves wrapped up in. That doesn't diminish the pain and it doesn't diminish the fear. It doesn't even diminish the hardships and the loss. It's real. It's real for all of us. Things are changing. I, we just got back from Cuba and um, I had, uh, people were calling me crazy for going to Cuba last week. And, but uh, we'd planned to go and our church, uh, West End and uh, River Point supports 80 pastors in Cuba. And uh, I just, I couldn't imagine not going there because they're dependent on the money we were taking so they could get paid for the next seven months. And our church uh, stepped forward, man. They stepped into this crisis and donated about 600 pounds of um, things that they need, you can't get. And our trip to Cuba was amazing. We met with some pastors. I think we're going to show some pictures here, but... We met with some pastors, and one of the things that I loved about our West End ladies uh, in their mom's Bible study, they put together these little packets the, specifically for women, 
And we were able to hand those out and uh, encourage the ladies. And then we brought shoes. I have a picture here of one of the pastors putting on a brand new shoe, pair, pair of shoes. I mean, it just, it's a game changer. And deodorant and toothpaste and all the things you brought, baseball equipment, soccer balls, all that. In fact, we have a picture here of um, a video here, a short video, 45 second video here of us loading all those supplies into the pastor's car. Uh, take a look at this. It's amazing. Now, I don't know what year this car is, and, um, but look at us trying to pile in all these bags. We had 11 bags of supplies, and uh, it's, it was just amazing uh, to see. Yep, there, there's the uh, RPC sticker right there on the front. And I had to put that on a couple years ago. And this is the pastor's car. Look how full it is. So you can see why we had to um, go. And um, they were scared about the coronavirus too, but they have a lot of other issues. Here's one interesting fact you may not have thought of. The Cuban people were not rushing to the stores for toilet paper because there's never been an ample supply of toilet paper in Cuba. The people weren't bum-rushing the stores for food because in Cuba, there's never an ample supply of food. One of the Cuban pastors, when I asked him about their view of the coronavirus, they said it's something to fear. It's certainly going to come to Cuba. But life in Cuba is hard every day. This is another challenge that God will have to get us through. Just help me have some perspective that we may be committed more to our lifestyle than we are to really what God might be doing uh, in our lives. And anytime we get more committed to lifestyle than God's life for us, I think we get anxious and nervous. And um, here's the truth. God is trying to do something in you far greater than he's trying to do something for you. Now, we need God to do something for us. There's no doubt about that. But but God's trying to create in you this, the, the good that could come out of this in so many ways is the fact that you become more like Jesus Christ who you follow. That your life gets bigger and you're not just living for the right set of circumstances or comfort uh, or ease or wealth or prestige or power. But you're living uh, for a legacy of helping others. There's a story in the Old Testament by a guy named uh, Joseph. And Joseph had a hard life. Um, a very hard life. And there's a famous phrase in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, that really kind of captures what I'm trying to talk about today. It says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it all about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, you don't really understand that, but Let me just give you a brief overview. And your homework is to read in Genesis uh, the story of Joseph. I think it starts around chapter 36 or 37. I'm not really sure, but look it up. So you have plenty of time on your hands, by the way. So look it up, all right? So um, Joseph was the youngest of uh, many brothers and um, he was hated, but his father loved him. In fact, his father made a bad parenting mistake. He um, showed favoritism and he loved Joseph very, very, very much. And in fact, he gave him this very famous coat, a coat of many colors, and his brothers hated him for it. He was very jealous. They were very jealous of Joseph. So they plotted against Joseph one day when he was young, and uh, they decided they were going to kill him. But they couldn't quite bring themselves to kill him. 
So what they decided to do is strip that robe of many colors, the coat of many colors off of him, beat him up, throw him in the bottom of a well. And when a caravan came by, they sold their brother into slavery. Can you imagine the sense of abandonment and betrayal that Joseph must have felt when his brothers sold him into slavery? And so a slave he became. He became a very uh, kind of a good slave and found favor uh, in in that. But then he ran across a a lady. Uh, She's described as Potiphar's wife. And I don't know who Potiphar was, but kind of a famous guy. But his wife was um, uh, quite evil. She tried to seduce Joseph. But Joseph had the moral fortitude to resist her temptations. But that didn't stop uh, Potiphar's wife from accusing him. In fact, the false accusations. Now, I know many of you watching this right now know what that feels like. That somebody accused you of something false that was blatantly not true. And you have this really loss in your heart. There's nothing that you can defend yourself with. And here you are falsely accused. And so what they did is they threw Joseph in jail, a prison. And he was in prison. Can you imagine it? But he was faithful and true and prayed. And then the Egyptian Pharaoh kept having this reoccurring dream. You're going to read about all this in Genesis when you go to it. And he had this dream and nobody could interpret the dream, but Joseph could. So Joseph interpreted the dream that a great famine was going to come on the land. Maybe it was a pandemic of some kind in terms of food. And he warned, he warned um, uh, the, the Pharaoh. And so the Pharaoh not only got Joseph out of prison, but made him the second in command. And he was a very, became a very powerful, from an abandoned brother to a slave to a prisoner to now Pharaoh's right-hand man. And when the famine did come, Guess who got hungry? It was Joseph's family, his brothers. And they made their way to Egypt and they were asking the Pharaoh for food. Now there's a phrase that goes throughout this story that you're gonna read as you read Genesis. And here's the story. As every kind of episode, something like this was said. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. I think that verse actually came after he was thrown in prison. He was thrown in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And there's the tension. How does God show his steadfast love when you're in prison for something you didn't do? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. So when his brothers came, here's the kind of the ending of the story. When his brothers came and said, will you give us for food? They recognized this was Joseph. This was the one who they sold into slavery and they fell to their faces. You're going to love this story when you read it for yourself. And they said, we're your servants. And Joseph totally forgave him because he says this phrase, as for you, You meant all this for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This route that Joseph took allowed him to interpret a dream supernaturally 
and it saved millions of people's lives because they were able to prepare for the famine. So what good is God doing in your life? Are are you just holding on, trying to get through, white knuckling, and hope you don't get sick? I don't know about you, but every time I touch my face, I think, oh my gosh, I've got it. You know, or or sneeze or cough or I have a runny nose. I mean, how many times have you Googled uh, coronavirus symptoms? How many? Come on, be honest. How many have you done? Okay, less than 10 or more than 10? More than 10 for me. Because every new twitch, I had a leg cramp in my calf the other day. And I thought, that's got to be a sign. I'm sure I've got it. Of course, I'm a hypochondriac. And uh, so I, I'm, 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 I don't know if I have it or not. I know that God's with me and he's showing me his steadfast love. But is getting through this really the point? Is that all you're trying to do? Or, or, or is this just a speed bump in your life? Or is this a redirect? Can you begin to see the good that has come? about because this whole mess is real? Think about all the good things that might have begun to happen. Here, here's what I believe. I'm just rambling now, but listen, here's what I believe. I believe before this crisis happened, you and I, we had other things to stress about. Our job, the pace of life, traffic, when does this end, our boss, all that. Life, real life, our kids, soccer practice, baseball practice. We had to do this. And then we have tickets to the show. We got to go to the show. And then, of course, our basketball team wasn't winning. And, our, and, you know, our baseball team is, you know, accused of being a bunch of cheaters, which, of course, they are, you know, that kind of thing. It's like the world is going crazy here. And we're like, when do we get off this thing? And then the coronavirus hits. And we all slow down. And we got off the train, not because we wanted to, but because it stopped. And so now we're worried about other things, but some good things are coming out of this. How about dinner with your family? How about there's not really any place to rush off to because there's nothing open. You get time with the people that you love and that's a great thing. And it's also the most aggravating thing, isn't it? How about discovering that you can encourage and help other people? That's a good thing that's coming out of this. Or you know what else is good? I really think this, boredom. You know, I think some of the most creative things that are gonna happen in your life may happen because of this pause in our economy and pause in our life. People are getting creative. You know what the big activity for the grandkids was the other day when they were with Lisa? They found a roll of bubble wrap and they were dancing on the bubble wrap. You've never seen more joy in a three-year-old and a two-year-old than stomping on bubble wrap. How simple is that? There's something about this that's simplified our lives that's good. Spiritually, we have to have faith or we despair. We have to believe God is still good or our theology is being formed in this moment. That's a good thing that God's causing to happen, that we've got to discover what is it that we really believe about ourselves and our world and God. There's a dependence that's created, dependence on others and a dependence on God. That's a good thing that's come out of this. You know what else has come out of this for most? A real humility. All of a sudden, we don't have a tiger by the tail anymore. Then we we can do all things because we're really smart 
educated, rich people that can do all things. No, no, we're humbled by this because we recognize so much of what affects us is beyond our control. Now, as a church, here's one good thing that's happened, even though we can't meet. Um, I'm reminded that the church is really not about a building. That's about people that follow Jesus, that collectively want to come together and make a, good, uh, make a difference in people's lives. We recognize as a church that people are way more important than programs and that we want to make sure that everybody that needs help can get help. We want to be helpers and guides in this process. See, the goal really isn't to perpetuate our organization or our nonprofit or keep our church going. You know, really, the, the goal here is to be faithful to God. He's in control. And what I'm so proud of for you is that this is a time when we all have stepped in instead of stepping back. That, that we want you to step in. That's why we're saying scheduled giving is really important. Setting up your scheduled giving, it's totally within your control, is really important because we're looking every single day for ways to help other people. And your scheduled giving enables us powerfully, collectively to make a difference in the community. So you can do that. As soon as this is over, you can go to our website and set it up and it's totally within your control. So we, we want you to schedule your giving and be faithful to God. It's a great step of faith for sure. So that, that's really what's kind of important, this idea of scheduled giving, this idea of stepping in instead of stepping back. Here's one thing that I'm almost sure that will change in our operation at the church. One, we're going to use video conferencing more and technology more to connect with people because now it's becoming normal. I don't remember the last time I had a real in-person meeting. The other thing is, I think we're going to stop passing the offering basket. There's so many cooties on that. Uh, and it's really most, about 80% of our people are already giving online with scheduled giving. So I haven't talked to anybody about this. I'm just thinking. But things have changed. And I don't want to just be a speed bump and go back to the way it was. I wasn't real happy with the way it was. Were you? Were you happy with everything? Maybe God's redirecting us. And maybe something good is happening. Maybe, maybe you ought to look for the goodness instead of just hanging on. Maybe there's a real fundamental shift happening in your soul where you can become more like Jesus Christ. More where you can have joy and peace like our Cuban brothers and sisters, even though things are hard and difficult. And maybe you can have a peace that passes understanding and a joy that's unspeakable. Please don't hear me and say that your trouble and your fears are unfounded or your troubles not, or your loss is, should be minimized. Listen, this is hard. This is a hard time. But I still think God is good. I think Lisa was right. God is at work. God is good. I don't want to miss it. Don't waste a good crisis. Let's see what God can do in us and through us as collectively as a church. And if you're new, this is the final thing. I got to quit. Uh, here's the thing. If you don't follow Jesus and you want to, I want to invite you to do that. It's simple. This is not about church membership. Heck, we ain't got no place to go. This is about you and your creator. 
So all you got to do is say, God, I need forgiveness. And I believe Jesus Christ was the savior of the world. And he, I want him to be my savior. And I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I want to follow you. I don't want to do life alone. I don't want to do the best I can. And I certainly don't want to live for these finite years on this planet. If that's you, just humble yourself before God and say, God, forgive me. I believe. And see if God doesn't begin to give you some sense of his presence in your life. That's what I believe. Let's pray together. Please share this content so other people might be encouraged. And please know that we love you and we'll encourage you. We're going to start doing some things like musical events if, the, if, we, can, if we can, if, if, the, if the health department lets us kind of gather a small group of people together. So be looking next week for some um, musical events that will be fun and encouraging. And um, anyway, so let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we know nothing happens by chance and we know that we're in a difficult time and we don't want to just get through it. But we want to be different because of it. So yes, we want you to reduce our anxiety and fear and we got plenty of that. But once, once that stabilizes, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and that we would be able to see that you're at work doing something amazing. And there's so much good happening that we won't want to go back to the way it was. But we would want to go forward recognizing that you did something on a worldwide scale to change uh, humanity, to change the way we live our lives, change our future, change our perspectives. So God, please don't let us just get through, but make us different. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Be looking next week on our online content, um, on our social media. Please subscribe to social media and uh, continue to stay connected. God bless you. We'll see you soon, I hope.